Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. We are now in the third week of this series called Through the Valley, right? Who has enjoyed this series? It's been good? Yeah, it's been pretty powerful, right? I've seen some people wiping their eyes a few times. I might have been one of them. It's, it's life and death are not easy subjects. In fact, somebody asked me once, and they said, Pastor Matthias, what is the best thing about being a pastor? What aspect of it do you like the most? And I was like, wow, that's a good question. Nobody's ever really asked me that. And I said, let me think about it for a few moments. I, I want to give him a good answer. And then I said this. I said, for me, the best thing about being a pastor I get to be part of the best times in people's lives and sometimes the hardest and the toughest. I get sometimes invited to come to the hospital and there's a brand new baby and get to hold and bless that baby right with the family. I mean, that's a precious moment. Or when somebody gets married or when somebody goes to a freedom conference and they receive freedom and I get to be part of that life story and that journey or when somebody received Christ, right? The highlights. But then sometimes as a pastor, you get the call late at night to run down to the emergency room because there's been a car accident or somebody passed away. A pastor friend of mine just shared with me this week that he had just done a funeral for a four-year-old boy. And he said to me, I'm still carrying that. That was hard. We go through the best of times with people and the worst of times. And there's something about that that is very powerful. And I told him, I think that's what I like the most. I get to see both. This is the scripture that Pastor Wayne has shared with us the last couple of weeks out of Psalm 23. The Lord is what? Now say it like you mean it. The Lord is? There we go. Yeah, he is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. That's awesome. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love, or one translation says mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, say it, forever. Isn't that powerful? Now listen, I told you as a pastor, I get to be part of kind of the, the highs and the lows. There's something weird or strange about being part of people's hardest times. When it comes to officiating funerals, I've done quite a few in the last 23, 24 years, and almost every single one of them has left an imprint on me. 
In fact, there are aspects of, I would say, almost every single funeral I have officiated that I remember, details, sitting down with a family, learning the story, going through the service. There's something powerful when you walk through the valley with someone. Would you understand that? And I was thinking of what are some services that really stand out that I have had the privilege to be part of, okay? I, I, I think that perhaps the most one that really stand out is when I got to fly back. I'm, I'm born and raised in Sweden. And when my dad passed away, he had asked before that if I would officiate his funeral. It was probably the greatest honor and also the hardest thing to go through. Because it was hard, but that's what he had wanted. Got to do my grandmother's funeral. I got to fly back again to do that. That was special. I'd had lots of conversations with my grandma about how she wanted to be buried and what she wanted me to say. And I mean, I'm talking over 20 years. I knew it for 20 years. She, I want you to do my funeral and this is how I want it to be done and do this. And, and she was an amazing woman of God. Those two stand out. But then a few years ago, I was flown to the country of Bahamas to do a funeral. And we're talking a three-hour service. Have you ever been in church when you're so bored out of your mind that you're falling asleep? Never at grace. <laughs> Some of you have. All right, I see you one right now. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. It was a three-hour, very somber Anglican church. And I was flown over to officiate. The prime minister of the Bahamas was in attendance. And so was the minister of tourism, the two top spots in their government was this ginormous big funeral. So it was very somber, but the moment they're starting to take the casket out of the church to transport it to the cemetery, I'm gonna show you a video of what that looked like. So take a look at this. It's a little different, right? I'm thinking our very own Ryan Carter would have loved it because they went with golf carts throughout the whole, like a person, like partying. And then they partied for like eight, nine hours. Just, I'm like, I've never seen anything like it. But I always say when I meet with a family that it's however you want it to be done. It's when the family leaves, the closest relatives. I usually say when I meet with a family, if you are happy when the day is done, I have done my job. However you want it to be done, I mean, obviously within certain boundaries, but there's really nothing right and wrong. Some people choose not to have a service. Some people choose cremation. Other people choose a celebration of life service. But we all gotta face death, right? One day, there's gonna be something for me and something for you. One service that really stands out happens here in Grace for the father of one of our members. And I remember when the funeral director came to me and he said, the family has asked for the hearse, you know, that transports the casket, not to be used. They want to use a pickup truck. And I thought to myself, okay, 
I said, is that legal? And he said, yes, they can if they want to. And I remember sitting down with her family and they explained the symbolism of this truck. And I said, this is so beautiful and awesome. And I asked them if I could take a picture. And this is right outside door number four down there with the awning. And they loaded up the casket on a pickup truck and we drove down to the cemetery. And I thought to myself, this was so fitting. In fact, I think if he looked down from heaven, he would have smiled and said, that is exactly what I would have wanted to do and how I would have wanted it to be done. Does that make sense? Another one that really stands out is a number of years ago, about a decade ago, I was asked and I was flown by the U.S. military to Arlington National Cemetery. And I got to officiate a service at Arlington. And can I be real? I've never been that scared in my life. There was over 130 soldiers that were part of this service. Uh, we're talking all of that and kind of de facto I became the commanding officer and I'm not military and I don't get any of this. So they had another high ranking person that whispered everything to me throughout that day. And it felt like being in a movie because it's such a reverence and such an honor. And this man, his name is Billy, he got, he got buried with, there's only one level higher that you can get as military honors than he got. And that is when you get up to the presidential level. I mean, I'm going to talk, I've never seen anything like it. And I want to share a little bit of what happened and what led to this service today. In fact, I want to share with you what I shared with Billy about the week before he died. And I want to share with you what I shared at this service in Arlington. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. So that is where we're going to go today. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot. Does that make sense? There's time for everything. But here is the deal, okay? The deal is this, that death is something that we all must face. Everyone in this room and everyone that will watch this service in perpetuity online, even a year, 10 years, or however long in the future, you will have to deal with death. And the question you must ask yourself is this. And Jesus asked us the question. Here we go. Are you guys ready for the question? Because all of us, we got to ask ourselves this question. And Jesus posted it. Here's the question from John 11. I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Here comes the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? It's not, do you understand it? Do you have a understanding that there's some kind of afterlife? But do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? I remember sitting in a hospital room with a young man that had served United States Army faithfully for quite a few years. He had served combat tours. But earlier on in his career, he served at what's called the Old Guard, guarding the tomb of the unknown. 
He was there present during 9-11, one of the first people that responded from that base as they ran down with weapons to the Pentagon when that airplane hit the Pentagon. Billy was right there. His family were strong believers, but yet he had drifted away. And now he had stage four cancer that had spread to every organ in his body. Less than a month earlier, he had passed a full army physical thing where they run and do all the stuff, like passed everything with stage four cancer. But here he was, ready to be transferred to Walter Reed Medical Center. His family, all believers, had asked me, Pastor, would you sit down and talk to Billy about life and death? Would you talk to him about the reality that we all must face death? I had been in that hospital room quite a few times leading up to that conversation, but I remember the day vividly when they cleared out the room and it was just me and Billy, and we sat down, and I said, you know why we are here, and you know what kind of conversation your family wants me to have with you. We started to talk about life and his experiences and why he had kind of drifted away. And I remember saying this to him. I might actually die before you do. I could be in a car accident on my way home today. I know the doctors are saying you have less than a week to live, but nothing is guaranteed. And we start to talk about life and death and pain and where does all of this stuff come from, sickness. And I said, There's, listen, all of this stuff just comes from the devil. God wants life. He wants you to live, but not just here on earth. He wants you to live forever in eternity with him. He wants that. And I remember after about two hours, I said, where are you at? And Billy said, you know, pastor, let's pray. And we prayed, and right then and there in that hospital room, this soldier prayed to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I remember walking out in that hallway where his mom and sister they were sitting on the floor, not on a chair, on the floor, praying. And I did this as I walked out the door. And they broke down, weeping. See, listen, when it comes to death and dying, there is no better gift you can give your family than knowing that when it's your turn, you will meet them in heaven, that you will be with them in heaven because grief and death is so hard. But yet, when you know that somebody had Jesus Christ in their life, there is an assurance that we will meet again and that this world who is nothing but a mist and a vapor compared to eternity that is forever, if we have Jesus in our hearts, we will see our loved ones again. See, here's what Jesus said. He said this in John 14. I love this. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Isn't that powerful? Now listen here carefully. I'm going to skip that one. There we go. Life can sometimes be very tough. Yeah? 
the ups and the downs of life. Sometimes life is not fair. Why does somebody get cancer? Why does somebody get into a car accident? As a pastor, sometimes I don't have the answer, but I know Jesus who is the answer. And when I don't know, often I got to say, do you know what? I have no idea, but I'm here for you. I'm here with you and I'm standing alongside of you. Pastor has talked about this so many times about being valley walkers. And this is why I love the Bible, by the way, because the Bible is real. The Bible doesn't just paint this picture that everything is going to be perfect and roses and no, Jesus said this. I have told you all of this so that you may have, look at this now, peace in who? Peace in me. Peace is not in this world. It's not in a retirement account. It's not in anything that you have accumulated. Peace is found in who? Jesus. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrow. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Isn't that powerful? To know that life is going to be rough. But Jesus says, in me, you can have peace as you go through all of this. Come on, somebody. Now listen here. Second thing I want to tell you is this. This world is only our temporary home. It really is only our temporary home. Here is what it says in the book of James. It says, what is your life? For you are what? A mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Here's what James says. You want to know what life is? Get ready. That's life. Birth to death. The zero to the other zero. You came in naked, you leave with nothing. He says, you chase after that corner office and that promotion and all those likes. Good luck with that. Soon, it will disappear. There is a really... Nothing more than chasing after something that vanishes so quickly. Life is nothing but the mist. Now, two things are true. And I think they're true for everyone in this room. Okay? At least number one is probably true for everyone in the room. The first one is this. We want life to matter. Stuff like purpose, meaning, why am I here? If you start to figure out, like, why has God put you here? And you start to feel like you're fitting into that, 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 that brings a certain purpose to you. And anybody, everybody wants to have purpose and we want life to matter and for us to make a difference, right? Now, the second one, I'm not sure if this were to be everyone in the room or everybody watching online, but even if you are somebody who says, I don't know if there's a God or if this is really true or all of that stuff, could you entertain me for a moment and assume that you agree with number two as well? So not just that you want life to have purpose, but also this, we all want to go to heaven. Like if I put a table, a sign up table out in the hub and on that sign up table, it said for everybody who wants to go to heaven, sign up on this list. And then I put another table on the other side of the hub, and I said, if you want to go to hell, sign up on this list. I'm dead certain we would have more people on the list for heaven. You with me? Hopefully everyone. I've never really met anybody who's like, I want to go to hell. 
I want my life to be like, no, right? So I think that is true. But the problem is everyone thinks they're going to heaven. Like if I can be real. Everyone basically thinks, but it's not like, have you ever been to a funeral and there's a casket and the person officiating and looks down at the casket and goes, here's Bob. Bob is in hell. Never. Never. And I have been part of funerals when the person that were deceased probably did not know Jesus as far as I knew. And people have asked me about things like that. And I usually say, do you know what? It's between God and them. And I believe that God is just, but I also believe that God is gracious. I believe in a God that forgives and gives second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, keep on counting, chances. So whatever was in their heart, even up to the last moment they drew their last breath, God knows. So that's all good. So whenever I do a service, I don't talk about so much about the person that is deceased. I talk about the people in the room because we all got to face death, right? But, but here's what Jesus said. He said this, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, here we go, except through me. Can we say those last words together? Except through me. Can we do that one more time? Except through me. So, so here's the deal. Jesus is the only way. We can't be indifferent to that. Let me give you another scripture, okay? Acts 4.12. Acts 4.12 says this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. There's one name. Now, that might seem for somebody that don't believe or is still kind of trying out faith and spirituality and religion. and It might seem really stuck up, right? I mean, for us who's been in church for a long time, we're like, yeah, Jesus is the only way. But if you kind of don't know where you have landed in your belief system, this can be really like, wow, pushy. I remember having a conversation with someone once, and I said, Jesus is the only way. And he said, no, 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 all paths eventually lead to God. Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? All paths, all, it says different ways and beliefs, but eventually you get there, blah, 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 and it's some kind of eternity, right? So I said to the guy, okay, I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you call my phone? And I had my, my cell phone. So I'm like, can you call my phone? And he goes, what's your number? I go, all numbers go to me. He goes, no. I go, yeah. Basically, you can dial whatever number. And eventually, you keep on dialing, you'll get to my phone. And he goes, no, I need your area code and your phone number. I go, bro, you didn't get it. Every Whatever you dial comes to my phone. He goes, no, that's not true. There's one number. I go, that's what the Bible says about Jesus. It says salvation is only found in the name of Jesus. There's no other name given to men by which they must, everybody say must, must be saved. If that is true, that is not arrogant. That is a life preserver that's thrown out. Saying, grab a hold of that truth, because that will save you. That's powerful. Let me give you a couple of quick facts, okay? A couple of super quick facts. Here we go. 
first fact is this. God is for life. He is for life. He's always been for life. Read the Bible. It's evident. Okay? You will have a scripture like John 10.10 10, that says the thief, meaning the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have what? Life. And to have it to the full or abundant. I also want to point this out. Sin leads to death. This is how it worked out. We all know this, perhaps Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But what does Jesus want? Here we go. Jesus wants you to go to heaven. Like this is, I'm going to make it so simple that hopefully everybody goes, oh, yeah, he does. He wants you to go to heaven. So here's a scripture for you, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Not wanting, what does it say? Anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from his love eternally. Not, not anyone. He will give chance after chance after chance after chance. He will pursue. The God I serve is not happy with a 99% success rate. He goes after the one. He could have 99, but he's like, no, that's not good enough. I want the one to run away. And he'll keep pursuing you and, and keep pursuing. And some people say, well, why hasn't he stopped all of this stuff? People starving and issues that we face. Because if he were to come back this second, there are people that would be eternally separated from him. He's patient. But here's what you need to know about your choice. You choose where you go. You do. I remember having that conversation with Billy and I told him, I said, it's your choice because you could say you don't believe in this. But I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is real. And I said, I think you do too. It's just that you have thought you have burned too many bridges and you have done too many bad things and you have too many missed opportunities and you are not good enough and you have come up with all of these excuses why God would not take you back. But I said to Billy, I said, the reason I am in this room and I'm spending about this afternoon with you is because I think God has given my time as a gift to you for you to go to a crossroads. And it's yet one more opportunity God has given you, but I think he's given you many. And tears started to come down his face. And he shared with me stories of being on active duty and things that had happened and some gruesome things that he had seen. But yet how he said, I think God did this and God did that and God did this. And I said, yeah, I think he did. Because he's been going after you over and over and over and over and over. And I'm that last link in that chain. And even when I leave this room, he will keep on pursuing you. Here's the scripture I told Billy. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I have set before you today life and death. Blessings and curses. What does God want us to choose? Choose life. Choose life. 
That's what God wants you to do today if you have not grabbed a hold of faith for your own and made it real in your heart, not what somebody else believed, not your sister, your brother, your, your parents, or even a denomination or a church, you. I remember reading Psalm 23 in that hospital room. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I looked at Billy and I said, is he your shepherd or is he just a shepherd? And that is the question I want to ask you. Is he your shepherd? That if you were to die today, and I don't mean to put any fear in you, you would be good. I know I'm good. A lot of people in this room probably say, I know I'm good. Do I want to live a long life and see kids have grandkids and weddings? And Yes, of course, we all do. But nothing is guaranteed because life sometimes is just like a mist. Who in here would say that life so far has gone by a little bit quicker than you thought? Yeah, you're like, wow, never thought I would be here that quick. Boom, never thought I would retire. It goes fast, but eternity is forever. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes bow your heads and I want to ask you a very simple question is he your shepherd are you good with him with all eyes closed and out of reverence for everybody in the room and I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm going to ask you to indicate something where you're seated. If you say, Pastor, I, I kind of, I don't know, or I'm kind of almost there, but I need to make it real. Between me and God. If you're in this room, you say, I want to make it real for me. Would you slip up a hand and hold it up and say, I need Jesus and I need it. Let's hold it up if that's you. I need Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand down there. Do we have somebody else? I see that too up in the stadium. That's awesome. Do we have anybody else saying, I need Jesus? I see that all the way up there. Awesome. So two hands, right? Three hands, four hands. Thank you. You're not really raising your hands to me. You're raising your hands to Jesus. The Lord is mine shepherd I shall not want it's personal he leads me it's personal is there anybody else saying do you know what I feel like he's pursuing me and putting me at the crossroads today I need Jesus I think I've seen six or seven hands in the room that is so powerful here's what I want you to do I want you to repeat after me and I want the entire room to pray this out loud with boldness say Jesus say Jesus right here and right now, I declare, I believe you died for me. And I know that you rose again 
on the third day and I confess that you are the Lord of my life. From this point, I pray that you would guide me, lead me, direct me, and provide for me. I declare I am a believer. I declare the Lord is my shepherd. I declare, say it loud, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Everybody look up here. Give a big round of applause. We have several people here in the room that raised their hands. Come on. Nothing is more powerful than that. Nothing is more powerful than that. Nothing. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.